You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Thank you for being here as we start this new worship series, Ugly Christmas Sweater. Uh, we'll get into that in just a moment. Our scripture lesson today, as we talk about the Star of Peace, is from the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter beginning with the first verse. Uh, It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they, had heard the king, uh, when they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the end of things. Jesus' parables about the coming of the kingdom, All Saints Sunday, where we have our hope of heaven, and also Christ the King Sunday, when when it's all said and done, we know that Christ is our Lord and our Savior, our judge, the one who died and was risen for us. And now, by the grace of God, we have the great opportunity of gathering together to tell the story all over again, from the beginning, or at least the relative beginning of it all. One of the ways we prepare for Christ's arrival in the world during the season of Advent as we prepare for Christ's coming is with the symbols of our faith, the lights on our home. Well, we put, we put lights up at our home uh, yesterday. Uh, it's our annual lighting of the home, or as I like to call it, it's our annual will our marriage survive this uh, check in with one another. Uh, but the lights are on the house. It's all good. Uh, we're st- and, and we're here. We're all here. We put lights on our house. Uh, we put a, living, a, a tree in our living room. 
Uh, we sing carols. We listen to the radio stations that are all playing Christmas music. These things are like, they're, they're like beacons announcing to the world that we are ready for the coming of the Christ child. Now, 2020 being what it is and has been, we could attempt to fill the world with beauty. When we are met with the ugliness of life, we are called to fill that space with beauty, at least in the book of Job, and this is what happens at the end of the book of Job. Job has become depressed. It's as close as the Bible has ever come to explaining depression. Like his own, his own skin crawled within him, and he was without hope. So what did God do? God took Job on a tour of the entire universe, showing Job the depths of the sea and the tops of the mountains and the stars in the sky and where the Leviathan lives and all that. God met Job's depression by mustering the most beautiful things that God can muster. That's one strategy. And I agree with that strategy 99% of the time. Another strategy is to say, you know, this has been an ugly year, so let's live into that. Let's be honest about that. Let's not shy away from that. And if there's a single symbol in all of creation that represents the images of our faith and is also honest about the ugliness of 2020, it's an ugly Christmas sweater. That's why we're gathering in this, this season. Uh, the ugly Christmas sweater for today is the star of peace. It's both a symbol of our faith and you can put it on an ugly sweater. Now, today's sweater is relatively calm. Just giving you a warning that as the series progresses, these sweaters will be getting tackier and uh, much more distasteful. Uh, and you too are invited to wear an ugly Christmas sweater. You have my permission to wear that uh, to church. During Carols in Cocoa, which is the last Sunday in December, um, we will be having an ugly Christmas sweater contest. So you have, you've been warned. Uh, ma make sure it's like church friendly, right? Like there are some, there are some limits to the, <laughs> to the ugly Christmas sweater, right? It has to have something to do with Christmas and Jesus and make sure you won't be ashamed if you're on Facebook wearing it, right? So those are the two, those are the two markers, right? Um, but our, our Christmas sweater for today is, is the star of peace. In our text today, the, the wise men, they follow this Bethlehem star. They said they saw the star at its rising and they go to King Herod and they announce, and I'm not sure how wise the wise men were to go to the king and ask where his usurper is going to be. Hi, King Herod, nice to meet you. Where's the guy who's going to overthrow you? We want to celebrate him, right? How wise are they exactly? But they follow this light. They follow the star. And I love when we talk about Christ being the light of the world, it's as perfect a metaphor as a metaphor can be, Christ being the light of the world. For starters, light is eternal. Light doesn't age Light doesn't break down. The light that glimmered soon after the birth of the universe, if it is left unimpeded, it will travel throughout the universe until the universe ceases to exist. It doesn't age. It doesn't decay. It was here at the beginning, and it will be here 
at the end. When we talk about Christ as the Alpha and Omega, that makes perfect sense. Christ is the light of the world, timeless, ageless. It doesn't break down. It is here at the beginning. It will be here at the end. Also, light is the, the speed limit of, of the universe. It is the bookend of the universe. It's what's hold, it, it holds everything together. You cannot travel faster than light. And if you do, you will be flung out of the universe. Light is the bookend of everything we know, everything that exists. So light is everlasting. It is ageless. It is timeless. It doesn't age or decay. It will travel until the end of all things. It is the barrier of the universe. When we talk about Christ as the light of the world, these are the things that we mean. Christ is eternal. Also, uh, astronomers and astrophysicists use light as a means of direction or to find out how close or far something is in the heavens. Physicists or astrophysicists look at quasars, which have a constant rotation of light. They know how bright that light is, and then they can tell from that light how close or far the other heavenly bodies are. It's one of the ways we discovered that the Milky Way is not the only thing in the universe. <laughs> we saw something beyond it, and then our story forever changed. It's timeless. It doesn't break down. It was here in the beginning. It will last until the end. It is, it is our eternal, true north. Christ is the light of the world. Secondly, light is powerful. Uh, a couple of months ago when, when the hurricanes uh, came through, we lost power. I know many of you also uh, lost power. Uh, it's not that my kids are afraid of the dark. It's just they really, 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 really don't like it. Right? Um, so when the, the power went out, we lit a single candle in the living room. And that's all you need. Light is incredibly powerful to dispel the darkness. No matter how dark things are, it takes a single candle for you to see. Minus the intense gravity of a black hole where light cannot escape it, but this is not a physics lecture, it's a sermon. So just hang that one little exception and put it away for, for another day. Light is powerful. Light is also, and when we, when we hear the story of Jesus, light is powerful. We hear, uh, if we continue through this Advent journey into Epiphany, we will hear stories of Jesus' healings, powerful teachings, this, this profound means of caring for the other, walking on water, all of these things. There's great power in the person of Jesus. But light is also, light is also passive. The point of light is to illuminate everything but itself. Because what happens if you stare at, at, at the light itself? You become blind and you actually can't see anything. The point of light is to illuminate everything but itself. The point of Christ is not for you to look at Jesus, serve Jesus, but to be pointed toward God, love of God, and to be pointed toward love of neighbor. Christ is the light of the world. Powerful, yes, passive also. Because if we stare directly at light, we become blind, and that's what happens with Herod. He becomes blind. See, the wise men were following the star in order to find Jesus. The light was showing them where Jesus was. 
Herod was staring at the star, staring at this light, searching for it, and he became blind to his own power. He became blind to his own greed. And interestingly, in the scripture lesson, it says that Herod became afraid. And then it says, and all of Jerusalem with him. Well, why is that? Well, because when a tyrant becomes afraid of losing power, the people know that the tyrant will burn the city and all of its inhabitants rather than peacefully stepping down. That's what tyrants do. So when Herod becomes fearful of losing power, all of Jerusalem also became afraid because they know who pays when a tyrant is angry. Light is eternal. It is the boundary of all that is. It is powerful. It is passive. Christ is the light of the world because Christ is powerful. Christ is also passive in the sense that Christ is pointing us toward God and toward one another. Christ did not choose to become an earthly king. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Christ was not sent to condemn the world but that the world might be saved and I would add seen through him. This light was sent for us and for all of creation. Light can also communicate, right? Fiber optic cables, Morse code, or my personal favorite, light the beacons of Gondor so that Rohan will come to our aid, right? By the way, that joke didn't work at all at 8.30, and it hurt me deep in my heart that they don't know Lord of the Rings like they should. So God bless you, 10.45. You win today. Light can also be a means of communication. Interesting, when, when, when the wise men came and they, and they paid homage to the Christ child, they received information. They received a vision or a dream or a revelation. And this, this dream told them to go home on another route, to go home a different way. And isn't that the goal when we gather together to worship? That we leave in a slightly different way than we came. That looking at the light of Christ, we too have received a revelation. We too have received uh, a dream, if you happen to sleep during the sermon. Or we, we have received a revelation that changes our life. Either dramatically or in the small ways. But that we leave on a different direction. In a different trajectory. So, ugly Christmas sweater. Here's the Christmas. Christ is the light of the world because Christ is our eternal and constant guide. Christ is the light of the world because Christ is powerful and is always pointing us toward God and toward one another. Christ is the light of the world because Christ communicates the reality and the will of God. So here's the ugly if we stare at the light and forget that the light is meant for us to see one another well and to see the world clearly and to see God clearly, we will become blind. We will think that worshiping Christ is about power. We will think that being a Christian means that we're smarter, faster, better looking, more athletic. 
we will think that wise men from the East, because they're from a different country, are a threat. There is Christmas, there is ugly, and then there's the sweater. What are we to wear? What are we to show? What are we to communicate to one another in the world? This light that we worship offers us peace. It offers us peace within our own self. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but also love your neighbor as yourself. It is nearly impossible to love your neighbor if you haven't first learned how to love yourself. To be comfortable in the skin that is staring back at you in the mirror. If you don't love you, it's hard to love someone else. And what I mean by that is this light reveals to us not only our own blessedness, our own inheritance as a child of God, but also the things we need to work on. Uh, I don't know if any of you have reached Christian perfection yet, <laughs> but I know I haven't. So that light also reveals the ways in which we need uh, uh, to take a deep look in that mirror and to change the things that separate us from one another and the things that separate us from God. But it also offers us peace on the other end. When we have discovered peace with ourselves, we can then begin to offer peace to one another, to put all the nonsense down that separates us. And then, almost like magic, when we are at peace with ourselves and we are at peace with one another, we discover a deep and abiding peace with God. We will actually believe and trust that we have been redeemed and that we have been forgiven and that heaven can be here on earth as it will be when our story concludes. This light offers us a different path and shows us the way. Just like the wise men, they followed something different and got to where they need to be. Or as the Bible says, they went home another way. Or as I like to say, we have been transformed and therefore we'll find ourselves where we need to be. Peace with ourselves, peace with one another, peace with God. And as we will hear on Christmas Eve, act surprised when you do, the angel will proclaim glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among whom he favors. It is why we end every worship service with me saying, go in peace as God's peace goes with you. That is where we begin. That is why we light the candle of peace today. Because without it, it will be very difficult to move toward hope. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Let us pray. Gracious and most loving God, we give you thanks for revealing that Christ is the light of the world, this eternal guide, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who never decays, never breaks down the one who is powerful and also the one that shows us your reality, the one that helps us love our neighbor, the one who reveals the way, the truth, and the life, the one who communicates to us through our hearts. Even though 
There is that which is ugly. Things that we are called to work on in our own selves, things that we are called uh, to do in our community and across the world. Keep us mindful of hope. And may your light shine through us. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.